Welcome to Women in Venture Capital, a podcast by students for students. I'm Rashvina. And I'm Anvita. And we are from the Harvard Business School. Our guest today is Minjo. Minjo is a co-founder and the CEO of CM Venture Capital, previously known as China Materiella, an advisory and venture capital company focused on IT, clean tech, advanced materials, and related industries. Min has diverse experience in technology and business development and VC. Prior to CM, Min was with Silicon Valley Bank Capital, where she was responsible for identifying and evaluating VC and P investments in China. Prior to SVB Capital, Min was a principal at Unilever Technology Ventures. Min earned her doctorate in the material science and engineering from USC and an MBA from UCLA. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Min. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. And I want to start this conversation talking a little bit about your current company that you also co-founded, as I said in my intro. So CM Venture Capital invests in deep tech, also known as hard tech innovations in Asia, North America, and Europe. What sparked your interest in this space and what are some of the trends you're seeing? Okay. Yeah, I... Um... I think I'm doing what I'm doing today really because of uh, the education background and work experience. I, uh, I well, when I grew up interested in science and uh, in 1988, I uh, entered Tsinghua University uh, studying material science. Tsinghua is really China's uh, top university for science and technology. And uh, uh, upon my graduation, I was very fortunate to be invited to USC. I got a scholarship uh, at postdoctoral pre-doctoral scholarship to study material science at the USC, University of Southern California. Uh, I graduated there in 1997. I think I was the youngest uh, PhD graduate in the Department of History at the time. And I had the choice of going into academics or going into uh, industry. And I chose industry because I was really curious about the technology uh, developing into products and into uh, industry. So I joined the Roper Scientific, uh, which is uh, um, at the time when I joined is a uh, part of Rockwell International. It's right. the R&D center for Rockwell International with a very long history in material science research. So um, while I was there, I became senior scientist within six years. Uh, at the same time, Rockwell Scientific actually formed while I was there, spinning out of Rockwell International to become independent. So there was a real drive to uh, take some of science and IP to commercialize and uh, basically um, for p &L. So we had to make money from the IP. So I was uh, uh, doing my MBA and at the same time to work with uh, some of the IP in our department to spin it out, create a company. We managed to uh, spin out a company doing CMOS imaging sensor uh, in Southern Oaks, and the company is still doing very well today, which is uh, very nice. So that's my first interaction with venture capital. I was on the other side of the table, basically talking to VC to fund the startups that we are creating out of the science uh, IP. Uh, when I after I graduated in 03, so the, um, uh, I was at a material science conference and uh, met uh, the chairman of Unilever Technology Venture at the time. 
by very chance. So he talked to me, he asked me about my background and said, you should come to interview. We are starting a new venture capital company and we want a person with material science background. And if we look at the history of venture capital in the US uh, back in 2003, everyone is doing IT and healthcare. So there's a very few VC actually with a material science background. So I think I was lucky uh, to be brought into venture capital, although I didn't have any prior experience in VC. So I joined UTV and that was like drinking from fire hose because I was the very first person hired, and within six months I was sitting on the board for our first investment um, company, investee company, it's called Impinge. And today it's a NASDAQ listed company doing RFID chip. So um, basically I had to learn, I was basically say since there was no partner at, at the firm when I joined, I literally went from no background in VC to be on the, at the board meeting with all the other partners of VC firms in, within six months. So it was uh, drinking from five holes, but it allowed me to grow very quickly. So I did that for four years and uh, very happy with the experience. But I was thinking that uh, space, um, it was really difficult to match the IT soft company US, uh, at the time. And I guess why even today, majority of the VC is in IT or healthcare because of the, the return profile. And I thought it's uh, actually, uh, there's a huge gap between how much money US is putting into hard tech physical science research from uh, lots of uh, research agency like DARPA or SPIR or NSF. And so, but uh, there are very little companies that got created out of it. So I started to think what kind of business model can it make, can we do in the hard tech space that we would make hard tech investing just as attractive as IT or healthcare. And so I looked into China because I thought China would have lower cost, uh, more dynamic market, and uh, probably much faster pace. And so it's with that thesis in mind, I joined the Silicon Valley Bank, SVB Capital, to be responsible for China investment. And uh, really um, uh, came to China once a month, flew from Parado at the time, and uh, look at the China market. And after two years, I was thinking, okay, there is no fund in, in China at the time with hard tech or science-based investing. So let me come back and start one. And so we uh, started CM Venture Capital in 2010 uh, with my partner. And with that thesis, basically to make hard tech investing attractive. So our first fund, we had a 70% of the LP from the government source, 30% local China company. By fund two, we have 30% government support and 70% multinational companies. So our fund two was backed by General Electric, uh, Samsung, BSF, um, Sabic, Hinker, and uh, so on. And then now we are on to our fund three and we are 100% backed by multinational companies and the multinational investors. So we have demonstrated in our uh, prior two funds that we are indeed achieving IRR of let's say 40% or more. And uh, so our original thesis of coming to do this is, uh, has worked out. And today, uh, actually we are, I think we are at the best time uh, for heart attack investing. So even for US, 
uh, with the Biden administration. So there's a lot of more emphasis on hard tech now. Uh, for example, the semiconductor space, the rebuilding of the battery space, the whole uh, basically reindustrialization or bringing some of the supply chain back to the US market, which I think is very timely because uh, it's US sort of, it was hard for any hard tech companies in the last 10 years. So I'm glad the trend, the tide is turning. And so now is uh, we are investing globally. So not only in China, but also in the US. So we have uh, um, portfolio companies in Silicon Valley and flying to Kansas this uh, weekend. We are looking at another company, Kansas. Uh, we also have made investment in Europe. We are making investment in China. Yeah, so that's a long introduction to <laughs> how, how we are doing what we are doing today. So and looking forward, my hope is really that we have um, we figure out how to do the material science or hard tech investing very well, so that we can continuously uh, trans uh, take the value of all the R&D investment in the physical science space and continue to create great companies that would make the world better and also be a financially a financial return attractive so that we can have more investors in the space. That's definitely a very impressive path. Um, well, I want to say congratulations for your years as going from being a scientist or venture capitalist to identifying a gap in a sector and a region and eventually starting your own company. It's really um, interesting to hear your insights on, on that journey. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about investing in China. Why should investors look at China for venture investing? Can you talk to us about the larger tech and investing landscape, especially compared to the US? Yeah, so certainly um, I think China is attractive in, in many fronts. So certainly for the areas that I'm focusing in, which is the hard science or the hard technology space, um, as we just uh, uh, discussed just now, U.S. sort of uh, stayed uh, moved away from manufacturing for the last decade or so, so shifting more and more manufacturing out of uh, the U.S. And so uh, China, at the same time, built up more industries during that period. So, for example, like today, uh, majority of the battery manufacturing is in China, majority of the solar industry is in China, uh, consumer electronics industry value chains in China and so on. So if you are a startup in any of these industries, it's in China that you will find your, your whole value chain here, the manufacturing and so on. So it has uh, um, basically, if you are in a startups that are in any of the industries that is dominated by Asia, you are much better off in China versus currently in the US because you can't even find, you, can't, you can find much better support network, your supplier, your customer, and so on in, in China. So that's one. So more complete value chain, industry value chain, industrial base in China. And secondly, the Chinese economy, you, you could say that in the last 30, 40 years, it's more about uh, just the building up the economy, which is in a fashion where it's uh, probably a very uh, broad stroke. And then now we are into the fine tuning and the improving side, which is about making the industry more efficient, making the industry more sustainable, uh, making the industry more competitive globally, more digital, and so on. 
So we are seeing the whole industry transformation uh, happening across all the industries. So everyone, every industry is looking at how do I make uh, make my industry more efficient and more going up the value chain, more advanced. And as after um, President Xi uh, talked about carbon neutrality by 2016, there is also a huge drive in making the industry more green, more carbon neutral, and making the society more carbon neutral. And so, on. so we see a lot of opportunities in green manufacturing, in smart cities, in smart buildings, and so on. So, so that's, uh, I think the industry transformation is providing um, a lot of opportunities in the industry upgrading and the transformation is providing a lot of opportunities for the startups as well. Uh, and uh, uh, certainly China has been building, um, uh, basically it's uh, education has been improving continuously in the last decades. And so that's, uh, the workforce now is much better educated and much better uh, internet savvy, digital savvy, and so on. So we are also seeing the upgrade in terms of the available talent pool and their qualities and so on. So, so and then lastly, I think from the investing perspective, China has uh, started a new board called the Star Board, Science and Technology Innovation Board in short, and it's specifically targeting startups with IP. And it has uh, uh, different listing criteria. It has very good evaluation and liquidity. And so it provides a, a tremendous uh, um, opportunity for listing company like the type of company we found uh, on public markets and uh, provide the exit for the venture investors. So if you look at the opportunities, the talent, the exit scenario, China is a, a great place to invest right now. Yeah. You used a term that I really like, the bold stroke. Um, and definitely China has been doing that in a number of areas, but I'm working at a fund in um, that's based out of Nigeria um, this summer, and I would say the African continent as well is going through this innovation phase and bold stroke is what it needs to really bring innovation and investing um, at the forefront. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about being a woman in Silicon Valley and venture capital. What early advice did you receive about what it would take to succeed as a woman in BC, in Silicon Valley? And what advice do you pass on to women in the VC industry today? Yeah, so I had a very unique experience. <laughs> like I said, I drank from a fire hose when I started with Unilever Technology Ventures. The firm was new. There was no partner when I joined, so I was immediately thrown into the, the leading the deal, sitting on the board kind of role. And uh, I must say in the first six, six months, it was uh, quite challenging because, uh, um, yeah, and uh, Unidiva actually hired a personal coach for me, <laughs> was a lady who came once a month to meet with me in San Francisco. Uh, she came from London. and so. The topic was to how to deal with, uh, uh, let's say, bad pe bad scenario, bad people in, in in the industry. I wouldn't call people bad. It's just in the financial industry, you have very aggressive male type, 
and so uh, she um, coached me on set front uh, mainly. So in retrospect, I think it was very, very useful, especially at the beginning of the career. And the key thing that she uh, worked with me on is really uh, three steps. One is to identify aggression is coming, for example. So first is to understand aggression is uh, um, inevitable to start. And then be to identify um, ahead that aggression is coming so you don't get, get caught off guard. And the third is to uh, imagine that you are protected by plexiglass, that you are not going to whatever aggression is not getting to you personally. And uh, so that's what I remember today. And I think that's a very good uh, uh, advice in terms of um, basically, uh, I think it's very important in the VC industry that you don't get uh, um, sidetracked by emotion or by aggression or the reaction that you you generate inside yourself towards aggression. At all. So I, I think that was a very helpful uh, advice. And um, I think even today when I meet uh, with uh, other women who would like to in, be in the VC or even more broadly in, in, in the broader business community, uh, I do feel to uh, uh, not get let your emotion get in the way is an important uh, advice to stay clear-headed, to stay focused on the objective and to stand firm on your feet and not get knocked over by aggression. And so it's a, a very, it's a, it's a basic, uh, basic foundation for being a successful woman in, in, in business. Yeah, it's always interesting to me. And in my short career, I've worked in banking. So everything you just said really resonates with me. There are a lot of loud voices and sometimes well, two things. One, like you said, it's it's important to draw this barrier between taking things personally or just turning it into really productive feedback. And then secondly, is to also just push a little more to make your voice um, heard out there. So definitely some really good advice. Um, I want to end this um, Q&A before we jump into uh, a fun, short, rapid fire session by talking about um, a recent article that you wrote that was published in the Silicon Valley Business Journal, where you mentioned that you found China to be more open to female leadership in business. This may be surprising to some of our listeners. Can you elaborate on that? Um, well, there are many women leaders in, uh, in businesses in China. I think uh, probably two aspects. One is that China, uh, well, since the founding of the new China or the People's Republic of China at the time, Chiang Mao already said a woman is half of the sky. So there was no history of, uh, let's say, female at uh, being at a uh, less equal part to male. Unlike in the US, I was with, uh, watching the movie about the three mathematicians for the NASA, the story of women being like, there was a long time where women was not, were not at equal right as men. Uh, so there's no historical baggage in terms of since the founding of such in China in 1949. So I think that's one reason. And secondly, really, um, the, the poverty is the social structure here is a, a bit uh, more supportive of women in, in terms of uh, uh, being able to balance their life and career. Uh, so, um, better probably because uh, there's, there's a lot of social support for women here in China. 
in, in terms of being able to uh, hire domestic support or having the parents to help with the child, child caring or the household work and so on. So it's, uh, it provides a bit better support structure for women with a career, yeah. But thirdly, uh, I, I really believe because uh, it's more generally equal between men and women in the workplace. And so outstanding women do get uh, promoted and get to the top quite uh, uh, quite easy and often. And so there's a no, no shortage of young women enter the workplace. So. Yeah, and I think I think the historic part that you mentioned is really important because if you look at the gender disparity in the industries like finance, venture capital, tech, it has been because there has been this historical sidelining of women or telling women that there are certain specific positions that they are suit well suited for. So if you don't have that historical bias, it makes it easier to, you know, not even look at that. Um, at all when making decisions whether to hire or promote. So that absolutely makes sense. Um, this was a great conversation. I personally learned a lot. Um, I'm always curious about the VC landscape outside of the US. Um, I've seen most mm -hmm. of it in the US. So it's it's been really nice to learn from you. Um, before we end today's show, I do want to go th through some really quick spontaneous questions for you. Really easy, I promise. Um, so if you're ready, we'll okay. get started with that. Um, so starting on an easy note, any book you've read, TV show you've seen, or movie that you've seen recently that has really inspired you? Um, I read a book, Ready Player One, recently. And uh, yeah, uh, that, that, that was movie, interesting. Right? Yeah, so yeah, I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> the movie, yeah, Ready Player Wise. <laughs> yeah, that's that was a movie, and uh, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, otherwise, I don't have a lot of time for watching movies. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to be a, a co founder and CEO and also find time to buy to see movies, that's totally fair. Um, my second question is Are you more of a mountain person or a beach person? I'm more a beach person. I like to sail into the beach and the far horizon. Nice. And my final question um, before we wrap up is, who has been a really important role model in your life? Okay, so it, um, it's, a, it's interesting. I have been uh, thinking about mentor-wise, career mentor-wise, they have been all male so far. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, women that I, I actually thought, okay, when I grew up as a young, young child, my role model was uh, Marie Curie. That's why I studied science, I suppose. <laughs> Scientist was my first role model. And then now today, if I think about a uh, female role model, I actually think of uh, like Angela, I thought she was very cool. Uh, stay calm, very rational, uh, under pressure, like uh, to be a politician leader, like uh, of a major country among all these uh, male current, uh, like very, um, uh, in this very challenging world, I think she is a really a model for being rational, being, uh, being very just down to earth and, um, and uh, yeah, very level headed. So, 
yep, if I was a... single to a woman's yep. head. <laughs> yeah. There's a really good one. <laughs> Thank you so much, Min, for joining us today. I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy all the insights on China, investing in China, the venture capital industry, and just, you know, leading a company in this space. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And it's a great pleasure speaking with you.